0: So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore
1: Bible prophecy. Hello and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. In today's program, we are continuing to explore scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament today, that has to do with the contrast between two prophetic terms, the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached early in his ministry when he first came here 2,000 years ago. And we're contrasting that with the gospel of grace, which is the gospel that he turned to after Israel turned their backs on him as their promised Messiah and their promised king. And that's the whole point of the kingdom. You can't have a kingdom without a king. And he said, I am the promised prophesied king from the Old Testament. I will set up my kingdom that had been prophesied and described. And that's what we're talking about all the way back here in Deuteronomy. I will set this kingdom up right now, and I will follow the, the the pattern that had been described in detail in the Old Testament and do it right now, 2,000 years ago, if you'll simply believe me. Believe that I am who I am, that I am the son of the living God. But they obviously don't, and we know that because we have the beautiful... Benefit of uh, 2020 hindsight here, uh, looking back 2,000 years and seeing how this has all unfolded, and we know that they didn't, but we know also that God is a covenant-keeping God, and God has told us over and over again in his word that he would never, ever forget Israel, that he would at some point in time fulfill all of the magnificent promises, all the blessings that had been promised to Israel would be fulfilled at some point in time but because of their disobedience and again that's what we're studying here in Deuteronomy when it was originally offered through their disobedience they have been suffering and suffering mightily for what now 3,400 years at least since this was first um, uh, presented to them uh, again in the book of Deuteronomy so Let's, um, let's move over, and by the way, if you're uh, joining us for the first time or if you're fairly, fairly new to the program, you may or may not know that we have a worksheet that we're using because we have so many scriptures that we're going back and forth to as we go through each one of these seven sets of prophetic terms in this particular teaching series on prophetic terms that you can download it from this website. You can follow along, make your notes. Because really, um, as I sit here talking to you, I'm working off that same worksheet. So it's uh, just as real. Hopefully it can be just as real to you as it is to me, and I've got notes all over it, as you might suspect. We're in Deuteronomy uh, 30. We're in Deuteronomy 30. This is the fifth of the five books that Moses wrote uh, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy was written uh, in about 1400 and well let's just say 1400 bc 40 years after they came out of egypt um, as god heard and responded to the cry of the israelites in bondage in egypt as it got worse and worse the pharaoh became more and more stern with them and tried to actually uh, wipe them out and you know the the uh, account of the midwives and the the sons being born to the Israelites. The Pharaoh was saying, kill all the sons. And, of course, that's how Moses uh, came about. So uh, they, they've been 40 years in the wilderness, and through uh, disobedience, the first generation that came out of, uh, out of Egypt has now died in the wilderness uh, by the direction of God. And now it's the second generation, that is sitting around Moses at Mount Nebo, which is in modern-day Jordan, right across the, the Jordan River from Jericho and, and Jerusalem, to give you an idea geographically of where this is. The Bible tells us that it was in the area of the Moabites, of Moab at the time. And we, again, we call that modern-day Jordan. And God is telling the Israelites through Moses, their whole future, from the moment they crossed the Jordan, which was going to happen within a few days from the writing of Deuteronomy, all the way through the millennial kingdom, which for them would have been 4,400 years in the future, because this is 1,400 BC. We've now been 2,000 years since Christ, and the end of the millennial kingdom is yet another 1,000 years. So that I just get excited when I read these things to see how God and his omniscience, because we're looking back 3,400 years, and there's only 1,000 years left to go, that we're looking back and seeing how this has all unfolded. And God told the Israelites about this 30, for us 3,400 years ago, and they're still living it out. And unfortunately, Israel is living out the curses. And, and uh, those of you that have been with us for a few programs at least, you know that we went back to Deuteronomy 28 originally, when we got into this book as part of this Gospel of the Kingdom background, and that's the blessings and the curses, and how there's 68 verses in Deuteronomy 28, and the first 14 are the blessings, and from 15 to 68 are the curses, Because God knew in his omniscience that they would be hard-headed, stiff-necked people and that they would not come to their senses in the sense that they would not recognize God's wonderful gift of blessing, and that would come through Jesus Christ. They won't recognize it until the end of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation prophesied by Daniel. Um they won't they won't come to that understanding and that's really that salvation until then and that's still to us yet future so just amazing when you take all this into consideration so that was deuteronomy 28 we're now in deuteronomy 30 in our last program we finished the teaching portion of our last program reading through the first 10 verses of deuteronomy 30 And what's so wonderful about Deuteronomy 30 in this overall picture of of the book of Deuteronomy is here in 30, you have 10 promises, 10 I wills. And when God says, I will, (laughs) he will do it. You have these 10 promises that are listed here, and they're all directed towards Israel. They're all directed towards Israel on the earth. You'll never see anywhere in here any heavenly blessings. The heavenly blessings were for the church, which was way yet future. And you'll, you'll also never see any earthly blessings to the church. So the church's blessings are all heavenly. The Israelites' blessings were all to be earthly. That was God's plan from Genesis and uh, he will bring it about as we said when he says i will he will do it so we were looking at these these um 10 verses and we we said we would come back and look at these and kind of unpack them just a little bit we don't want to spend a whole lot of time but when you go back and look at these he's actually again remember this is this is what's so magnificent about this they are sitting um in jordan right across the Jordan River from the Promised Land. They haven't entered it yet. It's the very end of the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They haven't crossed the land yet. Yet the first verse in chapter 30, 30 verse 1 tells you, I'm, I'm already looking way into the future. Let me read that and you'll see what I mean. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you and you call them to mine in all the nations where the Lord, your God has banished you. (laughs) They haven't even gotten in the land and God's already talking about bringing them back from lands where he's banished them because they've disobeyed him. And he said, if you disobey me, I will kick you off this land. And we know he's already done that a few times, right? Um, You can look at the northern kingdom in 722 B.C. You can look at the southern kingdom in 586 B.C. You can look at Judah, basically uh, in the land in 70 A.D. when the Romans came and and, uh, sent them into dispersion or what is known as the diaspora. So he's already looking way into the future and telling them beforehand all that will befall them, the curses and so forth. And he says, you'll bring them to mind and then when it when when it finally dawns on you that i'm serious about what i've said to you israel you will come to your senses and you will come back to me well we know from again from 2020 hindsight that that won't happen until the end of the tribulation period and because of that coming back to god and coming to their senses and recognizing jesus that will be what ushers in the the wonderful millennial kingdom when the promises the the blessings, if you will, of, of Deuteronomy 28, those first 14 verses, the blessings will all come about for Israel. But he's telling them in the meantime, here's, here are the things that are going to happen. But regardless of what happens, regardless of how disobedient you are, Israel, I will bring you back and I will restore you. So you look at their, um, the Lord says, when you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, verse 3, I will restore you. I will bring you back from captivity from all the nations that you have been in, and I will bring prosperity to your land. Verse 5, the Lord will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed. That's Israel. That's Israel today as we see it. God promised that specific land in all the earth he promised that specific land to Abraham in a covenant that God will never break that said, I this is my land, God talking, this is my land, but I am giving it to you, Israel, as a possession forever. Then we learn in Deuteronomy that there is a condition that if you obey me, if you, Israel, obey God, you can stay on the land forever. But when you disobey me, I will kick you out of the land and push you into the nations. And that's where he's talking about here. The curses in Deuteronomy 28 are going to be curses, some in the land, but a lot of it's going to be out in the nations where they have been banished because of their disobedience to God. But he says, ultimately, uh, I will bring you back because you will turn to me in the future, and that's, again, yet future now. And I will restore you. I will restore you to the land. Again, remember all the promises to Israel are earth-based, land-based. You've never seen anything about heaven with them. But even more so than the, uh, and I want to go to verse 6 here in Deuteronomy 30. Bring your attention to verse 6. Even more so than the blessings of the land, look what he does to the people Uh, Moreover, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, that you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses that were in Deuteronomy 28 from verse 15 to verse 68. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you, because you will be mine and I will I will protect you and bless you, Israel, and I will bring these curses on anybody that, that is an enemy of yours. And again, he emphasizes in verse 8, and you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments which I command you today, uh, and I will prosper you. So I want to emphasize again and repeat again that everything that's talked about here in the blessings and the curses and in Deuteronomy 30 that we've just been reading here, these wonderful 10 I wills in verses 1 through 10, all of this, all these promises would have happened, would have come to fruition, would have come to reality then if they had believed. But they came into the promised land, and within a generation, their hearts moved away from God. They forgot who God was, and he had to bring, as, you, as those of you who've studied the Old Testament, you know, he brought the 300, and, 300 plus years of the judges, and then he brought kings. So it's their hardness of their heart that caused this not to happen 1,400 years before Christ. So 1,400 years later, we see this offer. Of the blessings of the earth, and uh, a, a belief, and therefore a blessing from a belief in, and therefore a blessing from God, was offered to Israel by Jesus at the um, uh, was formalized, if you will, and presented uh, at the Sermon on the Mount. I want to go to one more um, Old Testament passage before we get back into Matthew and back into the specifics of the Sermon on the Mount where this uh, gospel of the kingdom was was laid out. And I want us to go to Jeremiah. One more place, Jeremiah. So if you take a good chunk of your Bible and get into the middle of your Bible, you'll find Isaiah. And then right after Isaiah to the right is Jeremiah. And I want to go to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah chapter 31, and when you get to 31, I want you to go to verse 31. Verse 31. And this is what's called the new covenant. This is the new covenant that God made. And uh, he's making it with Israel. And you may be saying to yourself, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The new covenant, I read that in the New Testament. That new covenant is with the church, it's with me. Well, it was made with Israel. It was made with Israel we have the wonderful opportunity to be partakers of that covenant. Because Israel is going to be saved through Jesus Christ just as the church is saved through Jesus Christ. But the new covenant wasn't created just for the church. The new covenant was created for uh, righteous Israel. And you'll see that as we read through this. And we are, as Paul says, he's a minister of the new covenant. He's a minister because we are, as it says, partakers in that covenant. It's not our covenant. We can claim it, but it's, it's through the Jews. So I wanted to make that point clear because here we are in Jeremiah. This is the Babylonian captivity. This is the 7th century B.C., and we're talking about the new covenant. Church is not even in view here. So let's look at it. Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more so this is a covenant that was promised to Israel and we want to get in uh, to some of the meat we want to as they say unpack some of these scriptures and we'll do that in our the teaching portion of our next program because there is so much to talk about right here because this would have happened when Jesus came the first time. But it will happen for sure the next time Jesus comes, and that's at the end of the seven-year tribulation. So we'll talk about this a little bit, and then, when, as I said, when we finish this in Jeremiah 31, then we'll get into the um, specifics of the gospel, the kingdom, as Jesus presented them 2,000 years ago. But now we want to transition to our Q&A, uh, and we've been dealing with... Um, saints, we've been dealing with the righteous of all time, if you will, and it's a question who is not going to be included in the rapture of the church, and the rapture of the church only includes those people who came to faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was uh, made available to them to believe at what's called Pentecost, and that's when the Holy Spirit came into the church, into the individual people that we call the church. And that's the defining difference, if you will, between anyone else, any of these other um, um, righteous people and the church. The Holy Spirit came into and indwells permanently the church. And it's that group of people from then, 2,000 years ago at Pentecost, up until the day of rapture. When the rapture happens, the church will be taken out, taken to heaven, We'll be wedded to Christ, become his wife, and then at the end of the tribulation we will come back with him to rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years, as it says in Revelation. But that's not the only group of righteous people uh, that are saved, and that's why we're going through this, because it's uh, an aspect of the Bible that often is not uh, dwelt dwelt with, uh, focused on very much we're so we're going through and looking at different sets of righteous people outside of the rapture of the church and seeing how the bible deals with them and how they are blessed by god uh through belief in jesus christ and the first group that we've dealt with has been the old testament saints and we have set uh spent several programs talking about this and spending time in hebrews principally chapter 11 the faith chapter dealing with the Old Testament saints and the fact that the Old Testament saints, when they died, their spirits would go down into Hades um, awaiting the fulfillment of a promise. And we read about that promise not being fulfilled uh, in Hebrews 11 until a specific event took place. And that specific event, we then went to Ephesians chapter 4, 8 through 10, and that specific event was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So all the Old Testament saints' souls were waiting on that specific event. That was the promise. And the promise um, was fulfilled when Jesus uh, died on the cross and went down into Hades and took the souls of all of the righteous people. Remember, both the righteous and the unrighteous up until that point in history, from Adam all the way up until the point where Jesus went down to Hades. The souls of all the righteous were on one side of Hades. Then there was a chasm, and on the other side of that chasm were the unrighteous souls or spirits. And when Jesus died, he went down to the righteous side of Hades and took all of those captives, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4. He took captives captive. He took all the righteous saints, their souls, and took them to heaven. He took them to the New Jerusalem. And from that point on, when anybody died in Christ, died as a righteous person, their soul, their spirit went immediately to the New Jerusalem. No longer would they go down to Hades. contrary as we've pointed out in our last program, any unrighteous person, when they died, their spirit still goes down to Hades, to that tormenting side, and they will be there as will every other unrighteous person up until the point of the End of the of the millennial kingdom when there's the great white throne judgment, and that is when all of the unrighteous of all time will be literally resurrected out of um, their graves and their souls, resurrected out of Hades, and in their bodies they will stand before the judge, Jesus Christ, and will be judged for their sins and will be cast into the lake of fire which is a place of torment, of total, eternal separation from the love of God, and that's what we, we call the lake of fire. But we learn that the, the righteous souls then receive the promise, which is admittance uh, into the heavenly realm, into the new Jerusalem through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this um, will come to a, a uh, conclusion at the end of the tribulation, so the church is going to be raptured out. Then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, which brings the Jews to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who make it through the tribulation. But it also tells us at the end of the tribulation, when Jesus comes back, he's going to resurrect all of the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament righteous And we read about that. Let's go into our Bibles, and let's go to, If you we're going to go to Daniel, so you find Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel as you're moving from left to right. And we want to get into the book of Daniel, and we want to go to the last chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And it tells us in Daniel chapter 12, starting at verse 1, Now at that time, Michael... The great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise. This is Michael, the archangel. This is the archangel that God has assigned over Israel. Nobody else. Michael is the archangel over Israel, one of the chief angels. You know, you read about Michael again when he wrestles with Satan and, and, uh, He and his angels throw Satan and the angels out of heaven. Uh, We read that in Revelation. But here is Michael the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, referring to Israel. He will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And that's referring to the great tribulation. And you'll see that same Descriptive verbiage used elsewhere in the Old Testament to describe the tribulation as a matter of fact you'll read it as well in Matthew 24 the same same description it'll it's never happened before it'll never happen again So this is the tribulation period there was a nation until that time and at that time continuing in verse 1 your people referring to Israel, uh, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. So we're talking about righteous people, people whose names are written in the book, will be rescued. Verse 2, many of those who sleep in the dust of ground will awake these to everlasting life. So this is a resurrection to everlasting life that happens at the end of the tribulation. And then it has comma, looking at verse 2, but the others who are awakened from the sleep, from the dust of the ground, will be resurrected to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And that, of course, is going to be the resurrection for the great white throne judgment. These are the unrighteous of the Old Testament times. So you have the Old Testament saints are going to be resurrected at the end of the tribulation to everlasting life in their glorified bodies, but those that are unrighteous from the Old Testament will be resurrected to disgrace and everlasting contempt and when you talk about everlasting an everlasting fire an everlasting contempt an everlasting judgment that's referring to the lake of fire because it's an everlasting fire an eternal fire so here we see the Old Testament saints being resurrected to their glorified bodies in our next um Program In our Q&A portion, we'll be talking about the Tribulation Saints. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air. Thank you for joining us on this
0: edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Our special offer this month is Consider the Ant, Volume 1, The Basics. Consider the Ant is a biblically-based look at emergency preparedness. You'll be taken through the steps necessary to prepare yourself for The Unexpected. This special DVD can be yours for only $20. To get your copy of Volume 1, The Basics from Consider the Ant, simply call us at 878-6279. That's 423-878-6279. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.